0: same boat and what we can do about it hell i don't know i guess just enjoy the ride and roll with the flow everybody's in the same boat
1: i, I gotta say I'm, i am i have been like hook, line, and sinker into the shenanigans of this. And uh, I said from the outset that they found the right villain because this is a villain that people just willingly contain themselves within their own homes because of some threat that didn't work for terrorism. It didn't work for us all giving up our guns on account of school shootings. Uh, They've thrown other fears and contagions at us, but they picked the right one. Now, part of why I'm being, like, you know, so hunker-downy is... uh, New York City just freaked me out, but it wasn't so much illness as much as it's people losing their shit and... You have no control in New York City. You might get stuck there where you can't come and go. You know what I mean? You can't control the supply lines coming in and out of New York City. You can't control other people. You can't control what the fuck the government's going to do. So that didn't feel right. And then I figure when I came to Connecticut, like, I would just kind of, you know, mostly work for my house, but kind of come and go and, you know, maybe go hang out with people. But my parents are like full scale, like, no, you know, no, we're staying in. We can't afford to get sick. No one's going anywhere. Uh, so this thing, I don't know, it just kind of sucks. That's, that's the best. I mean, you know, people are having a worse than me, but it's definitely not fun. And they, the government definitely got me to stay in my house.
0: Yeah. And I think what you're doing is you're highlighting two distinct issues that are connected to each other, but they are still distinct. And, um, and you know, there's the fear of the virus on the one hand, and you're right. They chose the perfect villain because it's something that nobody can see that nobody really understands, uh, especially the general public who has virtually zero medical knowledge. I mean, whatever they tell you in the textbooks in elementary, middle and high school, it's all nonsense. It doesn't, it doesn't have any correlation with reality whatsoever. So people are laboring under false assumptions, under uh, blurry terminology, under some kind of shadowy sense that they understand what's happening, but they don't really. So it is the perfect villain, because a villain with a face is easy to hate and easy to avoid. I mean, just look at what happened in the aftermath of 9-11. You know, Muslims became the automatic villain, the automatic target anybody with you know anybody who looked like they were kind of brown or you know uh, had a beard or, or like wore uh, uh some kind of wrapping on their head or something like that it was automatically like oh my gosh these people are terrorists they're evil these are the ones who attacked us um, now this thing doesn't have a face and it doesn't seem to discriminate and so it's not like it, it, it's the perfect enemy it's the perfect villain because it can get to you in fact now there uh, there are things that I've been hearing. You can not be symptomatic. You can have no indications of illness whatsoever. In fact, you can test negative for COVID-19. And uh, these government people are saying that you can still be a carrier. So you're still a threat. You're still a contagion. You're still dangerous. Um, so there's that issue on the one side. And then on the other side, it's what the government's doing. And I'm with you on that part of it. I think what the government is doing is... I don't want to say terrifying because I'm not terrified. I, I think that there's cause for concern. Our, our personal liberties are being erased faster than any other time that I've ever experienced, uh, for, for sure, even in the aftermath of 9-11. Um, I don't understand what they're doing, and I think that that lack of, that lack of understanding or lack of knowledge is is a source of fear for a lot of people, people. Um, and so yeah, being locked down, being stuck or trapped, especially if you're trapped, if you're in an area like, uh, like New York city where your possibilities for getting out of the city could be cut off like if they close the bridges and the tunnels and things like that um that's alarming especially if there's violence looting um you know can you protect yourself uh do you have the means to actually defend yourself if somebody raids your house or your apartment
1: yeah well even out completely outside of this incident i mean i have said this before my preference has always been i've always wanted to live somewhere with farmable land guns and my own water source, so that you know, I think that there's something really nice in life of knowing that you're self sustaining. That, like, obviously, it like y- you got to trade, trade is great, being able to show up to a supermarket and buy shit is great. But, like, the same way you kind of just feel a little bit better in life when you know you have savings, I think if you just know that you've got a place that you can go to, and if like you, you literally, I don't need anyone, I don't need to rely on anyone, I've got everything I need, at least in my fuck you brain, where I like to be able to just know that at any moment I could tell everyone to go fuck themselves. Ideally, I've always w- had a preference for living that way, but I haven't invested in that lifestyle, uh, mostly cause you know, I'm just in New York city chasing the comedy dream, but these are the situations where suddenly you realize, Hey, that thing that was like a pie in the sky, n- better idea for living would be mighty practical right now. Yeah.
0: And I'm, I'm hoping that people actually take this opportunity to, um, to do what you said and, and stock up like some kind of uh, a savings. I know we're in the midst of, of a, I don't want to call it a shit storm. Call it a shit storm. That word all the time. What was that?
1: You can just call it a shitstorm.
0: Shit storm. Okay. That's a good, that's a good term for it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to be in the middle of the shitstorm storm and say, Oh shit, I should have prepared uh, for this before it hit. Um, but, but I mean, I think, you know, yes, like having a store of wealth, having that kind of independence uh, is great. But I think even more valuable than that is having, having skills, <laughs> like yeah. knowing, you know, knowing um, how to build things, how to make machines work, how to, uh, y- y- like how to, how to use your, your mind and your hands together to actually build the fundamental things that are necessary for life.
1: Yeah, no, so I agree. I agree with you I on that. You
0: have to have a lot of money for that.
1: Yeah, I know. How to, I don't know how to do anything. So, you know, <laughs> I can get on a phone and maybe convince people to give me that shit, but that's not going to help if there are no phone lines.
0: Well, that's useful, you know. Yeah. Your persuasive skill is and, and, and your um, unparalleled charm.
1: Oh, well, thank there you. you.
0: You can definitely, you know, get some supplies that way.
1: Yeah, be like, listen, you guys seem to have a lot of supplies here. Invite me in. I think I'm going to just, like, be fun to hang out with. I don't have anything else that I can uh, give you guys, but if you have alcohol, drink it, and I think I'm uh, genuinely more fun than you people are, so it'll work out well for all of us.
0: Well, don't underestimate (laughs) the the power of laughter and comedy. I mean, when they say that laughter is the best medicine, that's true, because the real contagion here isn't, it's not a virus. Uh, and, and as well, I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, there are some doctors, some medical professionals out there who hold the theory that viruses are not contagious. And so one thing that is contagious in a good way is laughter. Um, psychological phenomena like mirth, joy, um, tiredness. Like if you've ever watched people yawn, like one person yawns and then another person yawns. In fact, all, sometimes all you have to do is say the word yawn and people will start yawning. So like there are contagions. They're mostly psychological. I mean, there are biological contagions too, but laughter is very powerful. So it can, uh, it, 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 it's an infectious medicine in a good, in a good way. Right. So um, you might just have the most valuable capital on Uh, on the
1: earth. Well, it wasn't that, at least for me, it wasn't that lucrative capital, you know, before a financial crisis, but who knows? Um, But before we get into what I'm going to just label, it kind of sounds like crazy talk, but I'm open to being convinced before we hop in to this uh, little wormhole that viruses are not even a contagious or a real thing. We'll get into that in a second. The other thing that's really scaring me is just the uh, the risk of hyperinflation and that we're really headed towards uh, like full socialist government and that we're now headed towards, like, we're now headed towards a space where they're like, listen, nobody can work, everyone needs to stay in their houses, but government, we're going to give you the money that you need. The system's collapsing, we're going to give everyone the gu- the money that they need, and government, A, can fulfill that role, and B, should fulfill that role. And uh, that really scares me that, like, we're just, like, in a, not that there wasn't socialism beforehand or socialized programs, but I think we're headed for, like, a new era of just you know, Russian, maybe not that extent, but like real deal, full scale fucking socialism.
0: Right. And I think that you might be right about that. I don't know. um, I I don't know about that. That is worrisome. But what are we going to do about it? I think it's, I I mean, if that's, if that's part of the plan and it seems, it seems like there are, there's almost uh, a social credit system that, that's already operative. Right here, right now, as, you know, the same type that exists in China, where you get, you know, you get points for, like, snitching on people. You you get docked points if you say something uh, against the government policy. And so, I mean, now, right, right now, um, my mom told me, actually, that there are people who are calling the cops on their neighbors because, like, they're letting their kids out to play, or they're not keeping certain kinds of social distances, or they're, you know, they're violating one of these brand new unspoken rules that has popped up over the past three weeks. So, um, I mean, you can see they haven't even officially instituted any kind of social credit system, and yet it's been adopted unconsciously by the American public very, very quickly without any resistance whatsoever. So, I think one of the things that, you know, if this is, we'll, we'll talk about it as a conditional because we don't really know what's going on. If this is part of their plan to institute a full blown totalitarian system, um, then how do we counteract that? How do we resist in a way that's meaningful? I mean, getting your pit- pitchforks and, you know, your pistols out at, at, to fight a, a regime that has drones and tanks and bear cats and, and scary stuff. Um, I, that's not possible. So what do we do? I think it's useful to talk about that.
1: Yeah. You know what I think is one of the mistakes that, uh, we're all making is that people with similar point of views are kind of like you and I, we kind of, you know, we talk, uh, we, we met online, we talk on the phone, we podcast, we're friends, but it's not like I live in the same community as you. I think uh, not that this is going to change tomorrow, uh, but I think so many of us feel like we're uh, surrounded by people with similar views when in reality, like... Think about, uh, I haven't spoken to uh, my parents' neighbors. I don't know these people. I haven't, like, I mean, some of them actually, uh, they're, they're Jewish community people. They go to the synagogue. So those people I kind of know. But for the most part, I don't know who's around my parents' house. So for them to, like, you know, for their own self-preservation, you know pre- preservation, for them to be ratting me out or for me to be ratting them out, there's not a lot of, like, uh, repercussions between the two of us. Almost from, like, a game theory perspective, you uh, you know what I mean? It's like either one of us can turn on the other one and there's not, there's no community here. So there aren't yeah. a lot of repercussions, Um, whereas like, as a theoretical, if a ton of us libertarians, were all living together in Texas and we were all armed up and we all, the the way almost hood neighborhoods are where they got like, uh, or at least in movies, I don't know if this is true in real life, but they all got that mutual respect of, you know, snitches get stitches. You're not like, that is the worst thing you can do is go to the fucking cops on somebody else. Uh, sadly, I think because we all kind of congregate on the internet more than we do in real life. Um, like our physical locations and interactions with government, uh, will be pretty easy to kind of turn on each other. I, I, I'm ranting a little bit, but I think you get what I'm saying here.
0: I do. Yeah. I mean, this whole situation has made me realize exactly how fragile, um, my, my situation is because, you know, it's always, it's always kind of lonely being a libertarian because, you know, I mean, I'm used to being like the only person that, within like a 20 square mile area that thinks the way I think. Um, but in a situation like this, where I have been forced over the past three weeks to really start to think about survival, like survival conditions, like what would happen if, and I'm not, um, just like right off the bat, I want to say that. I'm not scared of any viruses. I don't think that there is uh, an actual sickness that's spreading around, like a physical, biological sickness um, that is, you know, being being spread from person to person. Like, I, I don't think that's the case. I'm not afraid of that at all. But when it comes to, like, in some circumstances, it doesn't matter what you yourself believe. It matters what everybody else believes. Right. So, you know, and we know this as libertarians because it doesn't really matter what we think about the government. We know that the government is, is a piece of shit and, and nonsense, and um, you know it's a, it's an apparatus of violence, and it's not it's not our buddy, it's not our friend, it's not there to help us. So we know that, but everybody else doesn't think that way. So right. well, what we think actually matters quite a bit. And I think that when I was thinking about my precarious situation here, being a single woman alone. Um, it's it's kind of uh, it was it was a little jarring because I realized that I don't know my neighbors either. I mean, I know like one or two of them, but um, but I don't really know them. It's not like I could say, you know, hey, do you want to hunker down together? It's like we've never had a full length uh, conversation. In fact, just a couple words here and there. But I think that you know this is something useful, at least for me, to realize. All right, we need to start actually building real physical communities with each other if we're going to if we're going to have the kind of strength that will enable us to not propagate this state of fear.
1: Yeah, no, future. I I agree 100%. I just take stock in the same way where I tolerate living in an apartment that I don't like at all. I I don't like my apartment. I don't like my living conditions, but I see it as uh, a means to an end that I'm trying to be in New York City and uh, grow my comedy career. But like I, I did have to take some mental stock, like, all right, well, this is part of what we're sacrificing is that when disaster conditions come around, it's like the whole thing falls apart. There's no there's no reason to be here. And we haven't like lived life in any way where there's some sort of a life infrastructure. Um, so I agree. I agree 100 percent. So now let's get into because you're taking a pretty unique perspective here uh, in terms of what kind of a contagion risk actually exists. And uh, just to kind of throw some evidence out there to support you. Um, One is there's been plenty of things that we've seen where the news on repeat will show you horror footage um, to try and sell you a story. They also keep telling us, hey, two weeks from now, two weeks from now, two weeks from now. Another thing that I haven't really seen in the news is I like I know Italy's gone to shit and they say numbers in China are terrible. What's going on in South America right now? What's going on in like Africa? How come these people like. I, I don't know, maybe I just haven't seen it in the news and those places are a disaster, same as here. <laughs> but I, I would think without, like, they don't, they certainly don't have first uh, first world medical care. And I haven't heard of piles of corpses, you know, piling up over there. Um exactly. So there, there are, like, and then you just understand, like, almost everything happens within a, with an agenda, uh, so this one's weird. What is going on here? Now, I'm not, I, my sister works in a hospital and I know some people who at least on paper um, have either had this or some people who even have older parents that have passed away also on paper from this. Who's to, I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you that they didn't just have pneumonia. You know what I mean? I can't tell you the specifics yeah. that it was absolutely COVID nineteen and not that they passed away from the flu and that they want to say it's COVID nineteen. But I do know a couple people working in hospitals, and I, I I've heard the way that um they are filling up and that people are being restaffed from being nurses to actually being on these floors. Um, but the point is, all of us or anyone who's actually followed any other topic um you know that government will lie to you they will tell you that they're arming moderate rebels that turn out to be you know fucking al-qaeda they'll tell us that iraq has nuclear bombs when they don't like there's a million things i don't need to rattle off all the examples we all have reasons to be skeptical so i give you the floor to tell us uh, a little bit about this background of that viruses are not a thing and that this isn't really a conti- well, you, you take it from here
0: Okay. Well, I need to preface what I say with the fact that I am not a medical doctor either, uh, nor am I a biochemistry professor. Um, so, everything that I've learned—I mean, I am capable of logical thought, and that's a—that's a—that's a great tool—a tool to have in the toolbox these days, especially. So, just taking a look at um, the way that they're testing for this virus. Um, the, the principles of like basic medical protocol that have been violated, the way that they uh, evaluate, like establish a causal link between the virus and the deaths that, that they claim are occurring. Um, all of these things are very unstable and uncertain. So they, I heard, um, and for anybody who wants more information on, on these ideas, uh, search for Dr. Andrew Kaufman, spelled with a K, K-A-U-F-M-A-N. Um, he's phenomenal. He's been around the circuit of uh, podcasts recently because of his specialty. And he um, is pioneering, pioneering a theory that um, – well, he's not pioneering a theory. He's, I guess, making it – he's popularizing a theory – called terrain theory, which suggests that viruses are not spread from person to person, but they're created by the body, and they act as solvents for toxins, contagions like dead cells, anything that needs to be cleaned up in the body. Uh, so they act as uh, basically as scrubbers or cleaners for the body.
1: So how would so that work not, with, like, not, uh, so just to kind of I, I, explain the theory a little bit, um, if, like, a lot of people in an area are getting sick... It could be that there's a toxin in the water and that uh, your body manifests viruses in order to clean out toxins that are foreign to your body. So to look at the right. um, virus and go, hey, that's the, the, the problem here, you're actually diagnose- diagnosing the cure as being the problem. Um, so yeah. a couple questions on that. So firstly, with something like that, is, is AIDS is considered a virus, right? Yes. So
0: well, HIV is the virus, and then AIDS is the syndrome that results from the virus. Apparently.
1: Okay, so you take—I—I I, I guess what you might be able to say in that case is that some people, like there was a contamination in one person's blood, and by fucking another person in the ass, they're spreading the contamination, and we're not seeing that con- that contaminant, but it's being read by—we can see the anti—the antibodies of the virus that are there to try and rid that contaminant but isn't that isn't that like i i don't know i'm not a medical person i'm first thinking off the top of my head but how would this yeah. theory like apply to you know all the gays with aids
0: well yeah um the only okay the, dr kaufman and uh, um my my memory is failing me at the moment but there are um two other researchers who who've done a lot to expose this and i have their book downstairs i could run and get it but um at any rate, they, they talk about how like the only way to pass a virus from one person to another person is to get it into the bloodstream, like to basically to inject another person. So presumably, I guess if you have
1: um, a dick in your ass,
0: to yeah, a sodomite, plowing another sodomite in his asshole <laughs> would <laughs> result in the situation where you have, you know, sharing of blood, in which case it could get into the person's bloodstream. Um, but, you know, this it's way, I mean, I don't, I I, I was, I, I grew up in school in, in the like the 80s and 90s and whatnot, and that was when the A-type was like, really, really big, and I remember going to, we had this wellness center in, in Allentown, uh, Pennsylvania, and we had to go there, and they give this, this whole long, like, six- our presentation on aids and they said oh you know be really careful when you're on the playground like don't you know if you scrape your knee make sure you go to the the teacher's aid right away and get yourself a band-aid and everybody has to wear gloves and don't high five your friends because you could get aids and they seriously had us all convinced that we're all going to die of aids by the time like we got out of third grade like we're all just going to be dead um and so they made it seem like this this horrific contagion, like and, and it was awful. And then of course it died away. Now you know you almost don't hear about people with HIV and AIDS. And, and there's a whole weird thing because um, the the AIDS that existed in, in like southern portions of Africa had completely different symptoms from the type of uh, you know sodomite AIDS that that, that came around. Uh, you know, this part, this, you know, in the bathhouses of San Francisco or wherever. Um, so I, I don't I, like I don't know a ton about HIV and AIDS and I don't know a lot about how that happened. But that virus, because like, let's just take we're, we're just we're not going to consider uh, African AIDS here, but just like sodomite AIDS from from San Francisco. If it is blood to blood contact, then it is possible to pass the virus.
1: All right. So just to kind of I. I was trying to watch a podcast you sent over my way from this doctor and then I wasn't really getting the full theory. So I Googled a little bit. I read one article from him. I, and then like, there's things that sound reasonable where you're like, I got to look into the evidence on that. And then you have stuff that just my bullshit detector kind of goes, all right, I don't buy this. So the thing that I'll just tell you the two things then I'll let you kind of give me more insight on this. Um, one of the arguments he was making is that there were case studies of people um, passing viral, like f- full viral contagion things, like nose to nose, like taking boogers from one guy, shoving it up in another guy's thing, and uh, they were not like spreading virus. So something like right. that sounds like really tangible evidence where I would think you can really test that, uh, and especially being that I thought one of like the ways that they were actually. For COVID 19 people for testing new studies on, like, uh, you know, the cures, they were asking people who were gonna be willingly, like, uh, you know, uh, willingly get the virus, and it was gonna be by spreading, you know, the nostril shit. So, but before we get into nostril shit, we'll, we'll get into boogers in a second. The th- so that one, that one sounded reasonable where it's like, oh, well, if you have tangible case studies of trying to spread viruses uh, in the way that viruses are known to get spread and it's not spreading, I would think that you can just prove that one way or another. Uh, and that sounds like really tangible proof. The thing that he was saying well, so that's one. The other one was he was talking about that. There was some doctor who completely proved this theory of viruses and he had a microscope and that the microscope was destroyed and no one's ever been able to duplicate the technology. That one sounds to me like all right, that. That just sounds crazy. I don't understand why no one would be able to duplicate earlier techno. That sounds like an all like an alchemy recipe kind of fantasy tale. Uh, and then right. the, the last thing that he was talking about was that it's all. Uh, um, and this one's interesting because uh, he was talking about it's all a function of vibrations. Now, what's interesting about the word vibrations is anyone who's really tripped hard on drugs can kind of understand what people are talking about. I think there's even a line in uh, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas where he's like, you can tell that the room had bad vibrations. Also, if you read spiritual literature, like I've I've mentioned on the podcast before, I'm a big fan of this guy, Gearchiff, and he describes all of life as being a function of vibrations. Um, But then that also means that there's kind of like this mystery, spiritual uh, unquantified non-science thing that you can kind of throw in as being the mystery factor to explain anything. So those were the kind of three things. And I only read one article where I was like, all right, this strikes me as a little bit skeptical. Uh, so, you know, those are some of my skepticisms and I'm sure you have some more insight. Yeah. I think that
0: the, um, the, Again, I'm gonna come at this from a logic perspective because that's that's more my my strength, not the medical dimension of it. I, I don't know about the um, the magic microscope that they couldn't rebuild. I, I, I don't I don't know about that. Um, but when it comes to like the idea that there is like there is a sickness, that there's one and only one cause for that sickness, I think that's that's the, the one of the faulty base assumptions that people make. It's like just because patient A, patient B, and patient C are exhibiting um, cold and flu like symptoms which happen to be very, very common and they happen to be side effects for certain medications. They happen to be the symptoms that are associated with not only the cold and flu but also like pneumonia and other types of illnesses that people can contract seasonally or there's all sorts of things that it's like oh it's cold and flu-like symptoms. That's what you always hear. Um, so, so the idea that there's a person in um, Wuhan who has these cold-like flu and symptoms, and then there's a person in Italy who has these cold-like flu and symptoms, and there's a person in New York who has these cold-like flu and symptoms. Um, I, like, why should we assume that it's from the exact same cause, or from the exact same origin? So there's no reason to assume that, Um, And I think that, you know, because cold and flu-like symptoms are so ubiquitous, um, they're associated with so many different things, it's absurd to think that there's one and only one trigger for these uh, immune responses from people all
1: across the world. So let me ask you on that, on on this, and... I will say upfront, I I sound exactly like anyone I ever have a conversation with global warming about. That they tell me, hey, the world's going to end. And I go, no, I don't think it really is. And they go, well, you know, 99% of scientists do. So you're the fuck, you're the one fucker. And it's like, well, that's not really true because I've actually read about it, but okay. But now when it comes to this and you say there's no real reason to assume, I would think if like, all of I, I, I'm not a science or doctor. I never took biology. I don't fucking know anything, but it seems like there's a fairly general consensus of kind of that they're viral contagions. And that if you get exposed to a virus, you now have that virus. Uh, so this is kind of a little bit more fringe, uh, I, I don't know. So firstly, it's like, why would so much of the metal com- medical community be completely wrong? And maybe maybe it is a money thing, but it seems like there'd have to be a lot of people in on that racket, that they're just kind of protecting this idea that they have medications that work for things that don't exist. That just seems like it would be a really, uh, like too big of a con to coordinate, but it seems like it's kind of standard, not like, this is not the first case of, a. Uh, You know, like I guess flu, herpes. What are like the other big viruses that kind of go around? I don't know.
0: Yeah, cold, cold. You know, and that's everybody gets that. Um, But I, I have a couple different points in response to that. And the first, the first one is that they can't, they have not yet been able to explain why some people who test positive for certain viruses. I'm not going to just talk about coronavirus, like any virus that you test for, there are some people who test positive for it and have zero symptoms. They're not sick at all. Right. Um, On the other hand, there are people who are really, really sick and have all of the symptoms and they don't test positive for the virus. So what's going on there? So just as it
1: were the case, as a, as a theoretical, you could, i mean you can have a mixture of two things and once again i, I mean it's funny us having this conversation as complete non scientists but as a theoretical it could be some people immune systems work better and they have the antibodies that they fight off these things in a way that they're okay and that the false the false negatives are a result of that i'm sure the testing on anything, even if it's 90% positive. So that means 10% of people, like 90% accurate, you're still going to have 10% of people that have a virus coming up as negative. So that could just be a function of faulty testing and people with better, like, you know, better immune systems or antibodies or whatever the fuck it is that, you know, fights off viruses. Well, that's true. And the way that
0: they're testing, I mean, they don't, they don't, have a proper test and the fact that they're using different versions of different tests in different countries. And even within the same country, they're using different tests to try to test for this Corona thing um, is absurd. They've, they've never had like, like a double blind study to try to like isolate this, this coronavirus and to find out, okay, like well, what is going on here? So there's, there's so many problems just in the mechanics, like the, 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 the logic and the science, of the methodology of how they're approaching this problem is all fucked up. So, um, so I think that, you you know, what we're getting, we're not even getting good information with which to work because you need, you need two things. You need the theory and you need the data. You can't, I mean, you can have all the theories in the world and, and, and they might sound perfectly internally coherent, but they don't match up with the data. Or you can have like, you can have plenty of data, but not have a good coherent theory for it or in the case of like there are certain uh phenomena where you can have a set of data that is equally well explained by multiple different theories so um in this particular case you know when it comes to and this is what i this is kind of what i wanted to get into because it's more theoretical um the theory, the theory the model that they're using to try to explain viruses i think is fundamentally flawed and then the causal link between the virus and the sickness is unestablishable. There's never in the history of any virus that's ever been studied um, have they been able to prove a causal link between the presence of the virus and the illness or the, the death of the person who has it. And so uh, the, the, the two authors who just recently published a book, Don Lester and David Parker, it's called What Really Makes You Ill. Wait, so can,
1: can I ask you a question on that? So in other words, it's a correlation doesn't prove causation that since people that are showing symptoms tend to have viruses in the body, they assume that it's caused by the virus, but there's no actual proof of that.
0: Right, right, right. So it'd be like, um, you know, if, if you see a house on fire... And then you see all these, like, fire trucks that are all around the house and firemen who have all their hoses out and they're spraying the fire and they're trying to put the fire out. Right. Um, you think that the firemen are guilty for destroying that house. So you kill—you you, you 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 put you sprinkle a bunch of toxic poison on them to kill them because you think they're the ones that are causing the damage, when in reality, they're the ones trying to, to save the
1: situation. But if that was true, then why is it that when the— uh... I guess, all right. If they give you medication, I'm talking theoretically here. They give you medication and they get rid of their ability to track the virus within your body, and then at the same time, all the symptoms go away. So wouldn't that kind of give proof to the fact that it's the virus that's actually causing it?
0: Well, no, because I think that um, you know the, the the symptoms. The symptoms are the part that are you know it's painful to us when you have a fever. Uh, it's very painful. You're, you're, you know, you ache, your body's hot, it's cold, you have chills, it's, it's awful. Um, but that's just like, that's just part of the process of the body attempting to heal itself. Now you can do certain things to mitigate those symptoms, but what it tends to do then if like by mitigating the symptoms, you're, um, it, it would be like clearing, clearing the firemen away, cause you're like, Oh, there's too many firemen here. If the fire is going to continue to blaze. You might be able to mask your ability to feel it. So it's sort of like, I mean, when you, when you think about pain, what's, what's, what are most people's like first impulse when they feel pain, pop an Advil, you know, go reach for that Tylenol bottle. You just want to, you want something to make the pain stop. Does, does it actually cure you? No, the pain's still there. You just can't feel it anymore. So I think a lot of times what happens is people go for drugs immediately because they don't like the way they feel when their body's trying to heal itself because it's sort of like not liking the way your body feels when you're exercising because exercise, as good as it is for you, it burns, it sucks a lot of times. It's like, well, what's, oh, l- l- how so many more reps do I have to do?
1: Uh, let me ask the question a little bit differently. So a virus, are there, are there any viruses in which we have like a, like a that like a totally just known cure for?
0: Uh, well, I, again, I think that the, the way that you phrased the question already assumes that you need a cure for a virus.
1: But OK, I, f- fine. But I'm saying, are there any known cures for like, I, I don't know, maybe there's uh, uh, f- I, don't, no. I I don't even really know viruses, but maybe there's some pill. Then I, I like I don't know enough about this. So there's no viruses out there now that they have a pill that they give it to people and they both no longer have symptoms and the virus goes away at the same time.
0: That I know of, I no. Now my medical knowledge again. I'm not. I'm, right. not okay. a, I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't can't speak to that point very very well. But uh, that I know of, no. Like there's not a cure for any kind of virus uh, type thing. I mean, otherwise, you know, the cold would have been gone a long time ago. The flu would have been gone a long time ago. Um, but it's it's there are, there are cyclic things the body goes through. So it's sort of like, you know, spring cleaning people like to clean out their house. Some people, not me, but some people like to clean out their house in the spring and you know, they, they, they clear everything out. They get rid of shit they weren't using. They, uh, you know, they 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 clean the backs of the closets and the bottom of the refrigerator. You know, places where they don't normally go. And it, the body does that too. And it has to do with it does have to do with energy. So I want to get back to the energy point because it does have to do with vibrations and energy. By and the way, like that.
1: I gotta say he might not have said vibrations. He might have said frequencies. I might have. I might have made
0: frequencies, him... vibrations, energy. It's all connected. So all right. Yeah, you're, you're, they're, we're all talking about the same thing.
1: Okay. Um, so b- before you do that, just to kind of give this a little bit more positive spin, this guy's not out there just going, uh, hey, like, uh, uh, well, well, what he was really saying is that uh, there's a humongous value in terms of our emotional state and well being and our general health. And the divisiveness and the idea that, like, we're social creatures, the idea that they're having us all holding up in our houses alone and not seeing loved ones or not going about our daily life um he says is going to actually cause illness because everyone's going to be fucking miserable and so the idea that there's some sort of a you know virus and contagion that's going to get us sick versus all the stress of everybody staying home and you know their financial lives just completely falling apart doesn't even doesn't even make sense from a medical standpoint um, so from there, you were going to kind of describe a little bit more, I guess, his theory of uh, this being more of an energy vibration type thing.
0: Well, yeah, and he, uh, Andy Kaufman is, um, I mean, it's hilarious that he has the name Andy Kaufman. By the way, he, he does a pretty good Andy Kaufman impression.
1: Oh, that's so fun.
0: you should... Yeah, you should check it out. Dude has a sense of humor. I, I totally respect that guy. Uh, so anyway, he's yeah, he's not he's not a doomsday prophet. He's not saying like, Oh my god, we're all gonna die. Um, there there's it's it's real it's provable that human beings exchange energy all the time. Um, so if somebody's in a good mood it's infectious. Like you it, it can it can it can be make your mood more buoyant if you're around a person who's cheerful and, and, and happy and exuding just like joy and, and, and goodness and whatnot. Um, in the same way, if you're around like a miserable jackass a lot, like it can drag you down. So you know, it's provable. They've done like repeated studies of um, you know elderly people who are in nursing homes where they experience a lot of social isolation. Even taking like therapy animals in there, like cats and dogs and stuff. I mean, these people like their faces light up and 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 they experience joy and there's like this connection to another being that has energy and is you know calm and patience and it's not just the act of like physically petting an animal that suits and calms you you're sharing energy with another being and so um you know it's it's the same kind of thing like if you're in a if you're in a parking lot a parking deck like late at night and you know you're by yourself and you're kind of looking over your shoulder and you hear footsteps and you, those little hairs that stick up on the back of your neck that's real it's very real and what, what you're doing like you're, what your body is doing it's yeah it's the fight or flight kind of you're, you're sensitive to that but you're sensing energy like what are because you're not you're not sensing any kind of um, necessarily like a physical manifestation of something it, it, it's like you're picking up on some kind of energetic frequency um, and buildings have frequencies water has frequencies um, like everything that surrounds us have has frequencies. Fear resonates inside of a person at a certain frequency. So a person like a, people vibrate at much much lower levels when when they're uh, when they're afraid when they're in a state of despair um, and so when, when, when you hear the claim that you know fear, despair like cause more death than viruses so that's absolutely absolutely true like there's no disputing that fact um when you think about the number of people who commit suicide the number of people who are addicted to opioids because they're in a state of despair when you take a look at you know veterans who take their own lives people who are suffering moral injury and ptsd coming back from these fucking wars um you know, all of like that, that kind of despair and moral injury, of, you know, financial insecurity, um, you have know, the market take a dump like it just did. And you know, all these small businesses that are shut down and may not be able to come back after this whole Corona fiasco is lifted, if it ever is. Um, I mean, that like that will drive more people to death. Than anything else, and there was a there was a legend. I mean, and it's not just a legend; it's it's, it's true. Like there were shamans who used to, um, they they would they would like the suggestion of either cure or death was so powerful when it came from an authoritative voice that there were some people when they heard the shaman say like, you know, you are going to die. They would walk out into the desert and die, you know? And uh, so your, your body's ability to manifest reality is so strong. It's way stronger. Your consciousness, your mind is way stronger than anybody understands. So allowing fear into you and allowing it to possess you, um, I know that and this might not have been a direction you're anticipating, but I think it's a very important direction. Um, scripture talks about demonic possession, and a lot of people, you know, wave it away, dismiss it, poo-poo it. It's like, oh, back in the day, people were primitive and superstitious, and they believed that there were these evil spirits and that they could actually possess another human being. But now we understand that was just mental illness, and all the doctors have that under control. They'll give you some toxic poisons from big pharma, and you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But no, I think demonic possession is very, very real, um, and I'm not saying that there are like entities that have names that are associated with Satan and they sit on a fiery throne, like you know, down in some pit of hell or whatever. I think that there are very, very real demons that can grip your soul and drag you into a state of despair where you begin to spiral down. You you lose hope, you lose faith, and I'm not just talking to you about hope and faith in an afterlife or faith in God, I'm talking about hope and faith in your fellow human being. So when you have elderly people in a nursing home and they are experiencing social isolation because their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids grand don't get around because they got their own lives going on. So, they, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't, they warehouse the old people, stick them in a filing cabinet right across from the cemetery so we don't have to far to move them um we'll just you know shuffle them off over there we'll visit them once a month or maybe just on holidays and and their lives like they no longer have structure to their lives and i think that all of us like in this state of quarantine right now we we're all experiencing a state of breakdown in the structure of our lives because i don't know about you but i don't set my alarm for five o'clock in the morning every day like i used to um you know i don't my bedtime has fluctuated like uh, erratically, like, <laughs> I'll stay up till midnight. I'll sometimes go to bed at 8 o'clock. And it's, it's because I don't have to be in a certain place at a certain time. I don't have the same routines as before. So these old, you know, in a similar way, these old people are kind of shuffled off into these nursing homes. But they don't have, they don't re- go to the end of the driveway and take up the morning paper. They don't have their normal routines anymore. And so they don't have that structure to their life. They don't have a way to orient themselves in their life. They don't have a compass anymore because they don't have um, they don't have their routine. They don't have contact with the people who gave them some kind of order and direction and way to orient themselves in reality. So they lose. That's why they, That's why dementia and Alzheimer's and whatnot is is so prevalent amongst. The elderly in these nursing homes because it's not because they're crazy or because they haven't taken care of their minds and they're not just not doing enough of those new york times crossword puzzles it's because they don't have human contact anymore inter intersubjective human interaction um, coming up with the resistance of another consciousness where they can challenge you and they can ask you questions they can draw you out of yourself in a way that other entities can't that is essential and that is something that Uh, Human beings are born with because a baby, like even a tiny little baby can recognize the difference between another person, like a human being, and let's say a dog. Like a, a baby doesn't respond to to a dog the same way that it responds to its mother, nor does it respond to its teddy bear the same way it responds to its mother because it knows that there's a certain energy. Like it, it, it doesn't have words at that point, obviously, but it feels, it can pick up, it can attune itself to the energy of human beings. So that's why it knows to pay attention to the words coming out of a human being's mouth, and it never, never makes the mistake of... I don't know, thinking that a car horn or uh, a knock on the door or some random noise like a barking of a dog is speech. Like a baby never makes that mistake. It never tries to interpret um, that as language. And so why? Well, it's because there is a vibrational level on which the baby, even like the pre-linguistic baby, can associate with the human community. So when you take people out of the human community and you put them behind walls like the elderly, they they will go nuts. They'll go crazy and they'll lose their their orientation. They no longer have a compass. Now, where does a compass lead you? Well, it tells you where north is typically. Um, And one of the things, here's here's, this is something that uh, Owen Benjamin pointed out, which I thought was pretty um, insightful. The, The word news stands, it's an acronym, north, east, west, south. Uh, and right, you know the news is something that's supposed to orient us. It's supposed to tell us what's going on. It's, to tell, it's supposed to, like a map. It's supposed to tell us where to go, what to avoid, like where to avoid danger and things like that. Um, but in right now, I mean, what 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 media has become in I would say in the, the late nineteenth uh, and then you know full blown in the twentieth century and whatnot. You has you have disinformation campaigns and and full out propaganda, uh, and it used to be the case that propaganda was only legal for um, foreign press, but now, in, I think it was in 2012, uh, Obama signed into law an updated version of the Smith-Munt Act, I think it is, which made propagandizing American citizens legal. So now we know how we, we no longer even have the news as a way to orient ourselves in reality, Like because I'm not just talking about spatial geographical orientation, but in terms of truth, like what do you believe is real and what do you believe is, is false? If you don't know that, you're in a very precarious situation and likely to um, to meet your doom more, well, more easily because you're already in a state of agitation and fear because you don't know where you are or where you're supposed to go. And I think that's exactly the state of mind that they've managed to produce in people on a worldwide level with this fake pandemic.
1: Well, all right. So just to kind of recap, I, I think uh, the 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 positive message here is that uh, your mental health and well-being is important. So don't like don't let them take away your humanity. Don't let them take away your hope, even if you're taking the virus seriously or not. You know, do what you got to do not to lose the mental battle here. Be in touch with people. And uh, as to whether or not viruses are or are not a real thing, I'll, I'll, you know, go home, do your own research. What was the guy, what was the doctor's name? Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. But no matter what, it's a fascinating thing to think about and some great insights. So, uh, Catherine, thank you so much. Anything else you want to enlighten us about the virus or better living while we're stuck at home?
0: Well, if anybody uh, wants to get in touch with me, I don't know if you want to give out any of my contact info. I'll leave that up to you ultimately, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about this. I, I wanted to make a t shirt that said uh, free hugs. So I'm just going to go out into the world. I'm going to act like a normal human being. I'm going to interact with other people as normal human beings, and I'm just going to continue to live my life with a Big fucking smile on my face. And you know what? I hope that smile is contagious because I'm to see more <laughs> people enjoying this quarantine as much
1: as I am. I'm happy. You might want to make a social account, which would be a good platform for you to uh, firstly interact with people. And then also, uh, you know, starting to put up some of the philosophy content that you wanted to. Um, if you want me to put up other contact information, I'm happy to, but this audience is almost all dudes, so you're going to get hounded, which you might like. I'm not telling you they're not flattering or nice people, but... Uh, you know,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you put out your, nu- if you put out your number, it might just be nothing but dick pics, which you might have fun with. <laughs> I'm not saying that it would be, you know, horrible. They don't know your address. It's not like they can show up there, but you know, y- you are kind of asking for it. If we just throw out your, I don't even throw out my own number. So I really recommend, why don't you make uh why? Well, the problem is I warn you with social media, I was really good like, not being on any of those platforms. Uh, and now I overuse, I don't really overuse them, but where they really got me suckered. And this is not, this is not a good thing. You know, when you, I like, I can know my good habits, my bad habits. One of the things I love, especially on Twitter is I can throw up a joke and it's instant feedback, how much people did or didn't like it. Uh, and I like that. I love that. Like live, it's like, I can be reading a newspaper article think, hey, this is bullshit, in that moment, I could throw out, here's my joke about why this is bullshit, and then instantly, I get feedback from people, or I get to interact with other random people, I love that, what I don't love about social media is, sometimes when I put something out, and people like, I just keep going back to my phone, and I'm pre- it's like, I just keep pressing that button to see how many people like it, how many people like it, and it's like, dude, put down your fucking phone, go live your life, um, but You know, all right. I I don't know. Do do, do, at the moment you don't have any any social accounts whatsoever, right?
0: I and I will not do social media. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I I, that's where the line is for me. I'm not doing social media. Period. But I like I email. I know it's like archaic at this point, but um, I people can contact me via, via email. I have no problem with that, and it actually kind of requires that that you have something coherent to say because it's not just a few words that you throw out anonymously online. You actually like, it's it's like more of like a letter or something. So
1: I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly full with that. The other, the other risk, just, I want I, full transparency on risk is I don't think you've said anything too fucked up while being on the podcast, but at first I just didn't want to throw out your last name. Cause you do have a professional career as a professor, uh, same way for the most part, professionals that have come on here, we just haven't done full names so that, you know, no one's got to take accountability for any, and it's called run your mouth cause we don't take accountability for our words, but <laughs> I, you know,
0: I, <laughs> I've got nothing to, I've got nothing to hide. There and, you go. Uh, all right. I, well, I've got nothing for which to be ashamed either, and so um, I, I have no problem there you uh, go. telling people my last name. So, at all. I, I mean, I've been fired before. It's no big deal. So
1: where where can the run your mouth fans send their dick pics? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, be, be very uh, be very careful about that. But because once okay, I I don't know the legality of this, but. Um, well, you're Jewish. So I, you can hook me up with some law people, right? But once a person sends me that, I can do whatever I want with it, right?
1: I would think so. So you know, oh, you, okay. Well yeah. then,
0: I have some pretty creative things uh, planned. If anybody sends me anything nasty,
1: well, there you go. So where, if people want to interact with you and get some more insights on uh, philosophy or uh, libertarian thought, where can they email you? Uh,
0: my email address is k. E-L-T-R-I-N-G at Hotmail.com. Hotmail. My, Going old yeah, school. My, I opened that account back in the 90s, and well, it's still kicking.
1: Hey, so. <laughs> I got another question for you. You recorded sure. most of your coursework for this past semester, like, and you just have the videos, right? Uh,
0: what I did was I recorded my lectures into PowerPoint presentations.
1: Oh, so that people can hear it, like, while they go through the slides? They
0: can hear my nasally
1: voice, yeah, giving a lecture while they, while they uh, go through go through the words on the slides, yeah. I'm telling you, you're halfway there. To uh, it, 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 I'm in the social media game, and it's not what I thought would be part of my career, and it hasn't paid me any money yet. But I'm telling you, I, you should do my bar idea of the quick philosophy lessons from the bar, and then maybe you start selling your course, and I don't know. Maybe you end up going the, uh, the Pete, what's the, what's that guy's name? The fucking, the Jordan Peterson route. That guy makes so much right. money as an intellectual just with the online content.
0: I don't want to end up in meth rehab, uh, with a little, um, with a little like remote control wheelie car though. <laughs> I'll Did you go. See his most
1: recent post. It's no, true. but you can send me to meth rehab for his money. I, I'll do some. I'll do some time on meth and meth rehab if I can come <laughs> home to that fucking cushy, cushy yeah, well, dollar see, bills. To,
0: I need some more. Uh, I need some more inspiration as far as that um, bar philosophy thing goes. But I like the idea. I like the sound of it. I like the idea of it. I just have to. I don't
1: know. You like, just I, rip I, you, off. Rip, my- Rip off barstool sports but for headier topics okay <laughs> well maybe i'll give it a shot you'll be my first guinea pig all right always a pleasure thanks for coming on we still got to do an episode on uh the rules of uh logic we were going to do that but then we uh fought it out on bastia to the point that my uh brain was fried but always a pleasure and uh we'll cover another fun topic soon so thanks for joining us thank you so much
0: for having me it was a pleasure